0: hello I'm Javis Lewis and welcome so much to my very first ever live stream not in 2019 but ever so uh, I've never done this before I'm not entirely sure how this is all going to work but I'm excited if you're excited enjoy this journey with me we've got the chat going so if you have any questions please let me know you can also support me during this session with this little dollar sign icon At the bottom it's called Super Chat and that is a feature in which you can donate some money to me and I believe as a thank you YouTube will give you a little different kind of color that that comes up in the chat. Uh, Not necessary but obviously very much appreciated. You can also uh, sign up to my Patreon campaign if you like. That's patreon.com forward slash versluis. The link is in the description of this video. And this is something that I'd like to do, these live streams that I like to do once a week now. And I've decided that maybe uh, Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. in the UK, and I believe 5 p.m. in Europe, sounds like a good time for me. Let me know if it works for you. It certainly works for me. I see this very much as an open forum. If you have any questions about literally anything, Please bring them to me in the chat uh, or leave them as a comment and then we'll discuss how we can accommodate that uh, in, in later live chats. So I'm thinking I'll bring a topic to the table, much like my pre-recorded videos. And um, if you have any questions about that, that's cool. If you have questions about other aspects of Da Studio or Photoshop or anything that I do videos on, then uh, you know I'm more than welcome to answer that. So, today's topic, I thought, is a good starting point, is how to create a turntable animation in Dash Studio. So, turntable animation, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that, that's, that's these things here. That is uh, when you have built a scene or if you've created a character and you want to show him or her from literally all sides. Can you see that? Oops. that's... Uh wrong key there still getting used to that that setup that was obviously also the wrong key there we go um, <laughs> there we go that's a turntable animation that shows the character from all sides and When I first looked at this, when I first heard of this, I thought very much that it's a very intricate setup. So if this was my character, I thought that if this is the character and this is the camera, I'd have to kind of build a camera that goes around like this. And that is, of course, very difficult to do. You'd have to point the camera the character and when the camera moves you have to first of all move it on a kind of circular track and you also have to make sure that the um that the camera constantly points at the character and that's a very very difficult setup to do and of course in reality it's much much easier than that and um, in which we just put the character on uh, we basically rotate the y-axis of the character that's one way of doing it. If you have more than one item that you'd like to build an animation around then it's often good to parent all these to a null object and then just turn the y-axis of the null object around because it's not always guaranteed that the thing that you want to spin around in front of the camera is that the y-axis is in fact in the very middle so you you may end up with something like a like an oval shaped motion and that's that's never good that's not what you want so um let's see how we can create that in das studio i'm going to use das studio 4.10 for this and let me just have a quick demo of of how this works with a primitive so let's bring one in create a new primitive perhaps a cube and here he is. That is the cube. And in order, if I wanted to move this around, then I would. I could just select the cube here and head over to the parameters tab. And then under transforms, you've got the rotation, the Y rotation, and that's the uh, that's the parameter that you can. Oh, actually, I didn't show you the full picture there. Sorry, I, <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so uh, this is the the Y-Rotate thing with which you can rotate the cube. Sorry, let me just go full screen here. There we go. So this is the parameter with which you can do that. But if you had more than one item in your scene, then uh, maybe this item would be moved here. If you now move that, then the the cube kind of moves on the left-hand side there. If you had another one, uh, say maybe... uh, maybe another cube. Let's do another cube. And that cube is now slightly further over here. Then only one of these cubes could uh, rotate with the Y rotate, not both of them at the same time. And to make that happen, we can create uh, what's known as a null object. So you go over to create a new null. And when you do that, then you have something like a nothing object in your scene. And you can see that up here in the scene tab. If you take both your items and drag them onto the null, then you can just select the null and now uh, spin the y-axis of the null object. Then both objects will be rotating and you can even then shift them around. So if you wanted both of these cubes uh, to be, maybe this this cube goes slightly further over here and that cube goes slightly further over here, whichever way you wanna do it, as soon as you select the null again and spin the y-axis, then they both rotate. I guess that's my point here. That's what I wanted to to tell you. So um, if we wanted to animate this as a turntable style thing, then the first thing we'd need is probably a camera that looks at this from one axis. And uh, then we'll set up lighting. We'll do that with a full character in a moment. And uh, then we deal with animation. So uh, let's first of all create a camera here under create new camera. Copy the active view, perspective view settings here so that the camera looks exactly like what we see in the perspective view. At the top right here, let's go and change to the camera. And now I can set up the the proper framing here. Uh, In this uh, little stripey menu, you can show the aspect frame. And when you do that, you can see exactly what ends up on the animation or on the render. You can set the dimensions under Render Settings. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. So for now, I'm just going to frame up my, my two cubes, maybe, I don't know, maybe, something, maybe something like that. It's just a, just a little demonstration here. So um, still with the null selected, very important to select that null, open the Timeline panel. I've got mine at the very bottom of the screen. In fact, let me move my own picture slightly further up there. there we go so you can see the whole timeline and uh, if you don't see this panel here the timeline panel it's hiding under window tabs and there's the timeline somewhere in here that's how you can bring that up um, or otherwise if it's closed just click on it and it'll just open up there it's got a little triangular little yellow slider here and currently when we move it nothing appears to happen but that's because we currently don't have any keyframes So keyframes if you examine your timeline closely you can see that there's this uh, black arrow at the very front here at at frame 0 and that's a keyframe and those are all the settings of the selected object at any point in time. So right now Das Studio doesn't do anything because it can't interpolate from one keyframe to the next. So this keyframe now is, is basically the initial position here and if we move the timeline further to say frame 10 and I move my null object slightly further to the right, then I can see that Das Studio has made another triangular thing here another keyframe and now i can move the timeline slider and i can see that nothing happens i wonder why that is that's a little bit disconcerting isn't it yeah i hadn't quite expected that to happen there sorry about that it's the nature of a live stream isn't it? it usually things uh things that should work don't work anymore hey that's that's not exactly what i had in mind and I have no idea how to fix it. So <laughs> on pre-recorded videos, I would probably edit this bit out. And um, yes, yesterday it worked perfectly fine. Uh, sadly today, it doesn't anymore. What I was going to show you is you move the slider and accordingly, that Studio kind of interpolates from one keyframe to another. Perhaps if we just take the null object away and try and do all this again, Take the camera away as well. I'll just just create another primitive. Just start all over again, and just use the Y axis of that parameter. So with my cube selected at the very front here, I haven't got any keyframes. So let me set one with the little plus sign, and uh, now I can move the slider somewhere else, like maybe to frame 10. I move the cube, then we see that that keyframe, and now now it does it. So it's one of those things I really don't know why that happened there a minute ago. So um, this is how you create a keyframe animation. You can, uh, you can maybe move the cube up here and then in uh, 25 you move it slightly further over here and then back over here. And then when you move, that is how das 2 will interpolate the motion there. So for our 360 degree spinning animation, that means that uh, we can indeed uh, d- delete these keyframes here. Oops, I actually deleted the cube now, haven't I? Um, one of those things. Eventually, I will probably iron out all these little bugs here. Let's uh, create another primitive cube and uh, set a keyframe at frame one. So uh, make sure the little slider is on frame zero there. Hit the plus sign to lock this value in. Then take the rotation value and um, rotate that to... A given position, like three hundred six degrees, later. Now, this is another consideration that uh, we need to we need to think about. How long do we want our animation to be? So, right now, the default is thirty frames, and that at thirty frames a second would mean our animation would last exactly one second. But that, for a character animation, is a bit fast. It literally just goes like that and that's that's just too fast so I'm thinking perhaps I'd like my animation to be perhaps um, three seconds long or four seconds long so four times three that's 120 in the bottom left corner we can see the total and uh, that's usually one frame more than we need so let's type in one two one and that'll be the total duration of our animation so that's that we have the range is zero to 120 so now you can see that the timeline has changed and we have more time to play with so the first keyframe here on frame zero that is um, the current y rotation which is zero at the end of my timeline let's drag that thing over to uh, to 120 here to the very end uh, we're gonna take the y rotate and just spin that around to exactly 360 and that means the object would have taken a full revolution it's probably easiest to just type that in and now, if I take my slider, you'll see that the cube spins exactly once around all its axes. And if you hit play at the top, at the, sorry, at the bottom corner there, you'll see that the, that the cube does exactly that. And then it kind of loops. And this is what we're going to do with the character in a moment. Now, notice one thing, and that's just uh, just kind of for extra credit, I'll call it. It's, uh, you can see that what DAS Studio is doing there, it interpolates the motion in a way that it starts slow, then it kind of reaches full speed at the middle there, and then it kind of slows down again. And this is a phenomenon that's called ease in and ease out. So w- what it's trying to do there is it uh, tries to make this animation look nicely, which is nice for most animation needs but there is this thing that if you wanted to have it like i've shown you on my uh, website here if you wanted the character to spin around at a constant motion that you can maybe create an animated GIF file of it or you want this thing uh, as a loopable video where it it basically uh, spins around all the time then you'll see that this uh, isn't happening the way I did it and the reason for that is because you can change the interpolation mode of DAZ Studio not natively it's not something that's built into DAZ Studio but there is a plugin called KeyMate and that can do it you can do you can get it from the DAZ website and if you have that installed let me just stop that animation here let's go back to the first frame then you can bring it up with uh, window panes and keymate uh, here you have more or less the same timeline kind of compressed here in this in this space here let me see if i can if i put that here uh, zoom in there a little bit so you can see that a bit better. You have this is basically your timeline. You can also extend that panel and the timeline goes appropriately larger, and you see these uh, these objects here and uh, the transform values. So you can see what keyframes are actually being manipulated. And the nice thing about this plugin is that you can now uh, go and drag kind of a rectangle around all the keyframes in your animation. And then they turned yellow or orange here. And then there's this option, which changes the interpolation type of the selected keyframes. So TCB, don't ask me what that stands for. It's kind of a default um, interpolation that Das Studio applies there. If you set that to linear, then we'll see that if we look at the animation again, it will now do this. Um, in a linear fashion. So now it will loop and the cube does not speed up and slow down. So that's something you can do with Keymate, and uh, as far as I know this is the only way for animations to, uh, to, to interpolate the keyframes differently. So let's keep that in mind as we build our character now. I'm going to close KeyMate down for now again, because this is just a a cube demonstration. Let's work with a real character and see if we can do something similar to the animated GIF that that I've shown you earlier here. Let's get rid of our cube and bring in a character from the smart content tab. Uh, by the way, if you've been watching my Dash Studio 101 series, there, there are more installments coming up. I'm going uh, to work on something about content, about the differences between the smart content and the content library tab and uh, how you can bring in content, how you can work with content and what the differences are between smart content and non-smart content so that is very much coming up as well as an installment on lighting. We're gonna cover a little bit of that in this video or in this live stream, and uh, well, I'm also gonna cover render settings and a bit of hardware and uh, finish the series off so that when you watch it in total you can build uh, complete scenes with DAS Studio and with content from DAS Studio. Let's grab a male character here Genesis 8 Starter uh, under figures here let me bring in a uh, basic male or the basic male, shall I say? Uh, here he is, and we're going to give him some clothing from the from also from the smart content tab in the wardrobe tab. Usually, this is one of those things I'm going to just uh, preempt what I'm going to explain in that content video. If this tick box is ticked, filter by context. Uh, here, that's the bottom left, isn't it? There we go, yeah. (laughs) So if this tick box is in fact ticked here, then that means that whichever figure is selected, it will only display the content that natively fits that figure. So sometimes that's a little bit annoying and that's not exactly what you want. So as you can see in my smart content tab, I don't seem to have any wardrobe for the Genesis 8 male, which is a bit of a you know shame. But that's probably because I haven't bought any for him yet. So uh, if I wanted to fit all the clothing on him, I can just untick that box and still with that figure selected, you can see that uh, I can see my whole clothing catalog now. And that's kind of cool. So uh, at the top right, I can see the cargo shorts and tee for Genesis 2 male. I think I'm going to fit him that and uh, again, make sure that figure is selected, double click the cargo shorts, and I'll see a little dialogue pop up here, which says, hey, that is currently uh, unsupported. What we're gonna do with that? Well, uh, we select what figure this was made for. So in my case, that was the Genesis 2 male and what type of item is it, it's kind of optional. You don't have to set that. You can if you wanted to. Uh, It it has to do with how the settings are applied on this particular item of clothing. If you say none, that'll just work as fine. So I'm gonna leave that on none and DAS Studio will think about it for a moment. And uh, now his shorts fit very nicely. So let's do the same thing with the flip-flops. I get the same dialogue. I'm gonna select Genesis 2 male. there we go and then we're going to have a t-shirt here also genesis 2 male great there we go that is him perhaps also our character perhaps needs a bit of um, hair hair behaves in exactly the same way if that little tick box is unticked then you will only ever see um if it's unticked you will see every item in your smart content library if it's ticked then you'll only see the items that will natively fit so i believe i do have some genesis 8 male hair which is the armani hair so let's double click that and there we go that's our boy Uh, let's give him a nice pose as well under poses there's probably some in the starter menu we can give him we can make him play air guitar that's an idea or perhaps he can just casually stand there somewhere or just walk maybe I'll just do that kind of walking pose there so uh, first things first let's set up a camera and uh, copy the active view which is the perspective view there we go uh, let me just close my timeline down so I can I can position him appropriately here. If you want to show off a character, it depends on what aspects of the character you want to show off here. So you could uh, if it's about the clothing, you could just focus in on the clothing if you want. Uh, also this uh, aspect frame, I'm going to explain all that in the in the um, video about cameras and also rendering They kind of overlap there. Uh, so uh, you can frame up your character properly perhaps something like that. Or maybe make sure the shorts are also in vision here perfectly. There we go. So this is how I'd like to see my character, and now I'd like for him to spin around in a time frame of about four seconds. So uh, let's animate that first, and then we'll uh, we'll work on lighting and all that. Well, in fact, let's let's work on lighting before we do that. Actually, let's let's work on lighting now. So um, and this is one of the uh, Tricky things about doing this live, there's always this moment where you uh, switch this over to the iRay viewport and then of course your computer has to think about it for a moment and it really depends on how fast your hardware is. Uh, So in my case it takes about like 10, 15, 20 seconds depending on the complexity of the scene until I actually get to see something. Let's switch it over to the actual camera as well, because I've actually just switched over my perspective, you not the camera. Uh-huh. So what a shame, I have to frame that up again. But no worries, while my computer is thinking about it, this is kind of what it was like, whoops. Yeah, computer's a little bit less responsive, of course, because I'm streaming and I'm recording and I'm doing a demo here as well. So it's one of those things. So there we go, that's our camera. So what we see right now, the color that we see right now, is coming in from what's known as IBL. And that is an image-based lighting that Das Studio applies as a default in every scene. And we can take a look at that under the render settings tab. Under environment, we can see that, uh, let me go, here. Yeah, that's where you can see that the environment map is this that's the image that's applied. And what's happening here internally in desk studio is that there's kind of imagine it to be like a like a dome shaped thing that's kind of above the scene far away. And this image is like a 360 degree image that's projected to the inside of that dome. And Every polygon of that dome is now reflecting inwards into our scene, and so this whoops, this um, uh, this this white spot, the light spot—that acts as a light source. So if whatever that is, the background is blue, it'll reflect blue light in. If it's white, it'll reflect white light in, and so forth. And it does that in a very diffuse manner, and that's how we get very realistic results. And I believe they put this map in there. You can change it, of course, with anything you like. They put that map in here so that we get some kind of lighting. But as it happens in real life photography as well with, with outdoor lights in, on a kind of an overcast sky, you do see that shadows and intensities are very, it's kind of a very soft effect that you get there. And we see this exactly in our image. So our character is very much uh, washed out and uh, just for it looks very flat, and that's not bad if that's the kind of look that you want to go for, but i I'm, I'm thinking that's just a bit too much really. So what we can do is we can tone down the intensity of the environment map, and that can happen in, in several uh, ways here. I'm going to choose to just tone the slider down or set this to maybe zero point five. The default value is uh, two. And if I set that to 0.5, then I get a much uh, less illuminated image or I'm getting a much lesser effect of the IBL that's creating that. You can also set that to 0, and uh, that will result in, in something that's, that's, uh, that's barely noticeable. I'm still seeing some light here, and that is a peculiarity of that uh, Studio that performs uh, what's known as a headlight or a headlamp feature. And the headlamp is kind of something that is mounted imaginary, on top of the camera through which I'm looking. And that's why I'm still getting some kind of light from the front. So in order to switch that off, let's select our camera, go to the parameters tab, and there's this thing here under the um, headlamp that is set to auto. Watch what happens if I switch this off, uh, then I see nothing and that's because right now there's no light in my scene anymore at all and that's one of those things that uh, that the headlamp feature wants wants to avoid that because right now I, all i see is a silhouette and that's maybe not exactly what i had in mind but it is necessary for me to uh, switch this feature off so that i can set my own lights and create the exact effect that i want so that i have an exact um, kind of influence over this whole thing so if I go back to render settings now, I've torn my environment map down completely. If I now put that back to 0.5, I should get a little bit of that IDL effect there. And that's nice to fill in shadows. So anything that isn't being filled in with a light source that we're gonna set in a moment means uh, this is now just uh, softening up the shadows. So rather than giving us a complete silhouette, we can see some bits happening here. So 0.5 is good, one could also be good that may already be a bit too much. I'm going to set it to 0.5 and we'll take it from there. So what I like to do now is set a single light source kind of perhaps from the from the slightly higher than the character is and kind of from the side. So kind of coming in from here. That's what I'd like to do. Let me show you that in full screen. There we go. So uh, I'd like for the light source to come in from kind of here. And uh, in order to do that, I can uh, first of all, go over to my perspective view again, uh, in which I still have the headlamp feature on. So you can see the difference of uh, so how different the, the figure looks with, um, with the headlamp feature on, which is always on in the perspective view. But if we create a camera, we have an influence over what that looks like. So it's a very different image even though I'm looking at the same scene. So that can be absolutely confusing. It's not just you. It's everybody. (laughs) Let's go to the perspective view here. And uh, that's just kind of our runaround camera to see where we'd like to set the light from. So I'd like for that to come from maybe about here from the side. And I'm doing it this way because I can now go and head over to create and uh, I'm using a, a parametric light. These are called parametric lights here. Uh, new distant light, spotlight, or point light, or linear point light. Those are parametric lights, as opposed to mesh lights. Uh, mesh lights are surfaces that you turn into lights. So that's something maybe for another discussion. I've mentioned that on my uh, recent video when, I'm, when I made the the vertical shot animation, and um, you can learn more about uh, how to do how to use mesh lights in there. I'm turning the some objects in a scene from Stonemason into light-emitting sources. So that's how that works. So uh, I'm going to create a spotlight like so. Boom. And I'll apply the active viewport transforms from the perspective view. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And as soon as that happens, we can see where my light is now. So uh, if I zoom out, I get to see where my light is in relation to the character and perhaps uh, that is just a little bit too far away there for my for my liking whoops hello there Uh, it may work better if we just uh, if we just work in the texture shaded view for a moment here while we while we set the light so let me just move that slightly closer to the character something along those lines and now, of course, it's, it's always this big mystery, isn't it? I think light is, is just one of those mysterious things. I, I will make a video on, a detailed video uh, on, on lights as part of the Dash Studio 101 series so that you can get started with that. I have a more in-depth video in my playlist uh, on my channel. It's in the iRay 101 series. So that's something you can look at. Uh, I'm explaining this, uh, this concept of IBL and how to set parametric lights. So you can learn all about it over there but uh, just briefly here in order to for that light to actually have an effect on our camera let me just go and switch that to the camera and i'll switch the iray port back on so that we can see what our light is actually doing for us as soon as my computer started um, uh, kicking into action here we'll see that the light does nothing it hardly does anything it doesn't add much to to the whole thing and that is because the default values for the parametric lights in das studio are so off that, that they're not really usable out of the box so you really have to tweak them to make the uh, the most of it so with the spotlight selected, I see this is this uh, if the light is on or not i don't really see a difference here so with the light selected head over back to the parameters tab and uh, let me zoom in on that so you can you can follow along here there's this little uh, tab on the bottom here that's called light and that has several options here and if we open this and we can split them out into two um, kind of subcategories which is area and photometrics so uh, if you this is this is how kind of that studio works if you if you click this kind of top menu then all options and all options underneath it will be shown whereas when you click one of the ones underneath it this is kind of a filtered output of um, of what you're seeing there so you can just see everything under light but if that's a bit too much which it is for me I'm a really simple guy here. I, I really need to see to have things you know filtered down otherwise my brain's gonna explode and all this is one of those things. So under area let's have a look at the light geometry and that is how internally this light source is rendered. Currently it's coming in as a point light. Uh, we don't really want that. I would like to emulate the effect of a photographer's softbox. So what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna switch that over to use a rectangle and the rectangle then has a default value of 10 and 10. I don't really know what units those are, but you know, it's 10 and 10, we'll just keep that in mind. And other than that, we can, we can leave everything as it is. But you can see that in the scene here, just on the, on the side here, you can see that that hasn't quite had an impact on the lighting in my scene. So what I can do is I can head over to Photometrics and I can uh, change these two values here, the Luminous Flux, in lumen is the intensity of the light source whereas temperature is the actual color of the light source. Now the default on the luminous flux is 1500 lumen I guess and that is that's not enough so let's try something like 100,000 and see where that gets us. Now we can see that some light is emitting here but I can also see that it's just not enough just yet so let's, let's, let's turn 100,000 into 200,000 and see what happens now. Again, we're getting closer, but it's it's still it's not, not enough either. So let's try 300,000. This is always a bit of a trial and error thing. It depends on how far your light is away from your character. That's important to uh, remember. So it's kind of getting there. I like it. I like where this is going. Uh, but I can also see that... In fact, let me go to the full screen that you can see the full effect here with me. I can also see that the characters Uh, shadows here on the face are a little bit perhaps on the harsh side. Uh, If I emphasize this and make it maybe 400,000 is that 40,000 or 400? 400, 400,000, there we go. Then uh, to emphasize that effect you can see where the shadows are and they're fairly harsh so this, this could be like a you know either a very bright studio light or a very small light source. Now watch what happens if we go back to the area light in which we've set the light geometry here and we've got these height and width parameters. Instead of 10, let me use a different value. Let me make that imaginary light box bigger. And then watch what happens. If I make that 50, for example, 50 and 50, then we can see that the light intensity as such hasn't diminished that much, but what has changed is the effect the shadow has on the character. Let me emphasize this a bit more, make it 100 and 100. If I do that, you'll notice that the shadows are now much softer. So you don't get that hard edge on his face and on his arm. This is kind of now much softer. So the larger you make the light geometry, the softer the shadows get. And this is exactly emulating what's happening in real life with larger or smaller softboxes. Imagine a small kind of incandescent uh, light bulb that will close to the character will deliver a harsher shadow than a very large soft box Uh, that's usually it's it's also it can be an incandescent light uh, behind kind of a gauze material uh, far away from it so all the lights uh, light rays are being broken up and scattered around it's pretty much what we have on an overcast sunny day outside where the clouds take on exactly that responsibility. So i'm gonna I think that that light is good for now. I like the camera setup let's deal with how we can render this as an animation now so let's open our timeline. I think I'm gonna go back to the texture shaded view here just so that my computer responds a little bit faster i, I do I do like that a lot more um, let's uh, let's see what we can do here. We have our uh, animation range is currently 31, I d- as we agreed that is maybe not as um, smooth as what we may want, so let's go and uh, have t- change this to one, two, one, two, 1, So that's 121 frames in our animation, 120 of which we'll, we'll use because the first and the last frame will be identical. So if we uh, knock the last frame off, we can have a loopable 120 frame animation in which the last frame seamlessly goes back onto the first frame, and then that'll create that continuous loop there. So uh, to create that animation, it's actually extremely simple to select our Genesis 8 um, male character. Uh, make sure we're on the uh, transformations rotations tab here. And on the first frame, we already have a keyframe. We can just leave that. That is that's all the values that are currently th- um, uh, locked in there. We can also add an additional keyframe if you want. That's, uh, that's on the plus icon here at the, at the bottom of the timeline. You can do that as well. That would set a keyframe. I like to do this because I'm old fashioned. I'm a kind of a belt and braces kind of guy who uh, wants to make sure things are you know, locked in. One of those things. Then move the slider to the very last frame of vision which in our case is uh, frame 120, which is you know, confusingly actually the 121st frame of the animation. And in here, we'll go and rotate our character around to exactly 360. So that's how he then comes full circle. Let me type that value in. There we go. And I can see by that little triangle here that I have already got a new keyframe. So if I move that slider around now, I can see that my character is spinning albeit in the wrong direction because I'm using the reverse here. So uh, if we hit play, then we can see the animation and what's happening here. That's exactly what I want. More or less, I guess I could have tweaked the settings for the, for the shirt and the underarms here, so um, you know, we'll leave that for another time, how to fit clothing. That's a kind of a, a Pandora's box all by itself, so uh, uh, that's, a, that's another good video for, um, for the future, so you know, keep that in mind. There. Um, and uh, right now we can see this ease in and ease out thing again. Uh, so that means that if I don't want that, again you can employ the the venerable keymate plugin, which um, for some reason doesn't want to show up. I don't know where it is. Uh, KeyMate, KeyMate, there it is. There, there we go, perfect, that's KeyMate. And um, as I showed you before, in order for, t- this is the same timeline controls that you get in KeyMate. So it's kind of a, one of those investments that um, uh, is useful. Uh, if it's on sale, I recommend you get it. If you're dealing with animations, there's another one called GraphMate that uh, unlocks other functionality in DAS2. So KeyMate and GraphMate, that kind of, uh, if you de- if you're dealing with animations a lot, look into these two plugins here. So uh, with all these um, with on our Genesis 8 character here, with all these keyframes selected, as soon as I turn uh, t- uh, as soon as I turn yellow, you can use this little function here. Let me just go and zoom in there so you can see that better. The, this little function here, this this completely nondescript icon, uh, changes the interpolation of the keyframes to linear. And as soon as we do that and hit play, we can now see that the character just keeps spinning round and round forever. And as soon as we're happy with that, we can also even uh, close the KeyMate uh, thing because now we've changed the keyframes now, everything's cool. We can even close the timeline if we want Um And then we can see this whole thing in full screen. So that's our animation set up so now of course comes the, the next part and uh, how do we how do we render this out well uh, that's uh, that's something I can also show you um, under the under the render settings tab uh, we can see on the general tab the general tab also has dimensions, destination, and misc. So I'm just going to stick on the top one here. Uh, we have several options here. Let me show you that slightly closer up as well. So um, if we hit render right now, we would get a single render in the dimensions that we set here under pixel size global. So minus uh, 1080 high by 810 wide. That's not, that's not that much and if I hit render now it will render me a single image. We can do that as a little uh, preview here, maybe that's quite nice, it'll take about maybe a minute or so and um, uh, that is not really what I want for an animation. Uh, and the way why this happens is that under render type we can see that I'm currently rendering to a still image and it says in bracket current frame. And so that's the default in Dash Studio. It'll always render a single image as soon as you hit either Control R or Command R on the Mac or hit the big Render button that'll, that'll do just that. But for an animation, that's not exactly what we want. We have, for animations, we have two uh, different ways of doing this. Uh, we can either render, here comes my full image, very nice. So we can either render a full motion video, which is uh, kind of in technical terms, it's kind of a muxed version that you can play back and upload to YouTube and um, whatever else you want to do with it. Uh, You can do that, and on shorter animations that's not really an issue, but on longer works it may sometimes be detrimental if your computer's been rendering for three days and you find, ah, I need to re-render five frames then it's kind of tedious and detrimental to the quality if you've saved those as a full motion video file. So what I'd recommend you do is you render a series of still images and then assemble them either in a video editor or in something like Photoshop. There's another video on my channel that explains how to turn an image sequence like that into a video in Photoshop. So the latest versions of Photoshop, the Photoshop CC series, they do all that. There's a video on my channel that shows you how that works. So, uh, what I recommend you do—nice to nice to see the the full uh, full frame render here. I'm going to close that down. Under render type, you have uh, these options here: still image. That's what we've just done with the single thing then we have image series that's the one that i've just dispa- I've described and then we have uh, an option called movie A movie is the one in which das studio still renders individuals still images but then it kind of muxes them together and turns them into a single video file and that's the, the option i don't recommend so stick with image series and as soon as you do that we get another menu at the bottom here or just under render type we have render range and you can select what frames you'd like to render out? So currently, uh, the default is the full animation, which is frame zero to frame 120. If you do the maths, that's exactly 121 frames, just like you know, the doctor had intended. And if you render that out, then you can give the image uh, series a name. So if you call that I don't know test, or you call that um, turntable, then DaStudio will amend a four-digit number at the end and uh, it'll also uh, save that as whichever file format you pick here. I would always recommend the PNG because that means you get the transparency, anything that is currently uh, showing through here besides the character will be rendered in transparent and that means that in things like Photoshop or in your favorite video editor you have the option to replace that either with a simple gradient or with another background animation or with another background image or whatever you want to do. Whereas when you render this to a JPEG or to a bitmap then that transparency just won't be there. TIFFs I believe also save transparency. I know they can save transparency if they actually do in Das Studio or not don't ask me. I would, uh, on the side of caution, I'd always render to a PNG image. Portable network graphics, that's the abbreviation for, by the way. In series Path, you can pick a path. I think you can also uh, choose to render this to the render library. That is uh, not something I would, uh, I would recommend. You should always use a Path uh, here and then just uh, bring up that dialog and, um, and put it wherever you like it on your hard drive. Uh, Perhaps if I do it on my um, desktop here, just for demonstration purposes, Uh, now if I were to hit Render, das 3 would go ahead and render uh, image 0 first, then image 1, image 2 and so forth until it's done with image 120 and I end up with exactly 121 images on my hard drive. I'm not going to show you that here because otherwise the live stream is going to take until, I don't know... 10 o'clock at night and obviously we don't need to watch the computer do that so but once it's finished you can then go and assemble all these images in your favorite um, video editor or photo editor and turn that into a turntable animation and the uh, the result of that looks a little bit like this like what I've shown you before here that I believe uh, was it do we have any questions on the chat Uh, no we don't All the nine concurrent viewers uh, have no questions. That's okay. That's okay. Leave them in the comments below and uh, maybe I can cover them uh, the next time. My friends, thank you so much for watching and joining me on this first of hopefully many live events. Um, If you liked it then of course please share this video with friends, family and total strangers. uh, I'll make sure this stays as an archive on my channel. I may also uh, upload a more kind of polished version of it uh, as a standalone video. Uh, Other than that my plans coming up now is to finish the DAS Studio 101 series. In fact that's uh, one of the plans is to create another couple of videos this afternoon. So uh, watch out for that in the next few days. I've had a nice comment this morning by somebody who's watched the, uh, the previous video I posted. In fact, there were two comments on this in which I'm explaining how to create a morph with ZBrush for an object in Dash Studio. And uh, one of the questions was, how can I do that without the Gozii brush. That is this thing that is installed that that makes this kind of interchange between objects between DAS Studio and ZBrush the easier. How can I do that without it? In case I need to give it to another designer who would, uh, you know doesn't have X, Y, and Z. That's a good point. And the other comment was that uh, maybe it would be possible to use the same functionality without the Gozii brush for objects other than characters. So imagine we had this. Um, Uh, imagine we had this um, this shirt here of our character and we wanted that to be to kind of fly open and we don't have a morph in that can we create that in other applications like zbrush or maybe blender or even hexagon and then bring that back into Death studio as a morph so i'm going to explore that and that's another video i'm planning on making other than that speaking of this whole um, streaming business uh, the other thing i want to i want to do in 2019 is stream some video games uh, that is uh, not because i'm a hardcore gamer or anything but because i like the idea of having uh, of looking at the end result of what can be done with real time rendering animations so often I go into a game like Grand Theft Auto and I don't actually play the game, I just look at how the team have put this thing together and how geometry is made, how textures are made, and uh, it's it's kind of those types of streams, they're more ad hoc, and um, I'm going to do that in the next few days. Watch out for my community tab on my channel, so if you go to uh, the, to my channel, there's this community tab and that's why I'm making these announcements if I'm going live in the next hour or half an hour. Uh, also, you can set this uh, this little bell icon in YouTube, you can set that up. And as soon as you do that, you get a notification on your mobile device or on your desktop when I'm live. And then, you know, if you want to join in for a chilled out kind of, you know, party chat, ask me anything, um, that's the place to do it. My friends, thank you so very much for watching. Uh, That it, It was an invigorating experience. My setup is quite crazy. My desk has now got three monitors, which I need for all these things to work seamlessly. And we'll see where we go in 2019 have a wonderful weekend of course and i will see you, you have a question. oh i have a question oh thank you very much uh, my wife julia is here with me she's she's on the chat she's a moderator that's why she's got this little wrench icon hey peter that's uh, that's awesome thank you thank you so much for watching uh, i hope i will see you guys next time here come the credits take care bye bye <music>